The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business, or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hello, friends. What is up? And welcome back to another episode of the Dream Bigger podcast. So it is currently... 2.18 a.m. And if you know anything about me, you would never find me awake at this time. But the caveat here is that I am currently in Asia visiting my family. Nish and I take an annual trip to Asia and the Middle East every winter, like around the holidays going into January to visit our families. And so while we're here, we work nights, which is so crazy. Anyway, That is nothing to do with today's episode, but I just kind of wanted to catch you guys up on what is happening in my life right now. And I am really, really happy about the feedback that we got from last week's episode. I knew that you guys would love Roddy. I felt like she was just the perfect guest to have on the first episode of the new year. And this next guest that I have I think you guys are going to be obsessed with her. So of course, today's guest is Lori Harder. And if you're not familiar with Lori, she is such an inspiring woman. She is a multifaceted entrepreneur. She is a motivational speaker. She is a fellow podcaster. I love her podcast, Earn Your Happy. Fun fact, I actually discovered it oh my God, like I want to say in 2017, she was one of the first podcasters who I discovered. And I just loved how positive she was and how she taught everyone tangible tips on how we can all have a life full of like positivity and just, you know, essentially earn our happy. Anyway, also Lori, interestingly enough, has recently launched her brand Glossy. And what I love about her story is that she actually pivoted from what she was supposed to do. She was actually supposed to launch a whole different brand altogether and then pivoted in the last minute, which I think is so interesting and just proof that we need to launch businesses or whatever we do from a really aligned space. Anyway, we get into all of this during today's conversation and I'm so excited to get into it. Before we do, I want to read out this week's review which comes to us from Morgan. Morgan says, listen to this podcast at least once a day, if not twice or more. Aw, Sif brings on the most insightful guests who come from a wide range of industries with different expertise. I'm always learning something new with every episode. Take the dream bigger podcast with you on a walk, drive, and you'll feel like a whole new person afterwards. Highly recommend. Thank you so much, Morgan. This is such a sweet review. I really appreciate it. Like this really made my day or night rather. You guys, if you have a couple of minutes and feel like you want to support the show, I would so appreciate if you took the time to rate and review the podcast. All you have to do is open the Apple podcast app, scroll down to the bottom where it says rate and review the show. If you feel like I deserve it, please leave me a five-star rating. And in the review section, tell me anything you want me to know. I am always looking for really good feedback from you guys. So whether it is guest suggestions, favorite episodes from past episodes, any topics you want to hear more of, I am constantly looking to hear what you guys have to say so I can continue to show up as a really strong host. 
Anyway, with that, let's welcome Lori Harder to the Dream Bigger podcast. So if someone is feeling lost right now, what can they do to start finding their purpose? Because I remember finding Mm. your podcast years and years ago, and I feel like that was really what drew me to your energy where, I don't know, you made it seem like it was possible for everyone. Mm. Okay, this is such a good question. And I'm so excited to be here. I think that sometimes just the word purpose or asking ourselves that question can make us feel like even more clueless Mm -hmm. because it feels so huge. Like I'm supposed to know at 18 years old or now even younger, like 12 years old, why I'm on this planet. And you don't even have the experience yet. And the thing has not even come into your life yet that you're ultimately going to end up doing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's better to look at it as you have a series of purposes through your life and your curiosity and desire is the most important piece of your purpose. Because if your curiosity right now is just something around learning more about social media, follow that. That's a part of your purpose. It's a part of the plan. If your curiosity, you know, for me, I wanted to learn how to do makeup and work somewhere where I could do makeup. That's not what I'm doing right now, but it taught me so many valuable lessons and Mm -hmm. things that I love using in my life every single day. So I think the most important thing we can do in the beginning is just follow your curiosities. And it's ultimately going to lead you to all of the skill sets that you need for this much bigger purpose that you're going to have later on. I love that you say this because I hate the thought that, you know, Right when you graduate from college, you're Mm -hmm. supposed to have your life all figured out. And I remember when I graduated from college, I thought I was going to do this one thing. Mm -hmm. And I got to my graduation day and I was like, oh, my God, like, I don't want to do this anymore. What do I do now? Mm -hmm. And then it was just me kind of figuring out, like, but what are the things that I enjoyed from here that I can, like, get a job in? And it was it was kind of like that, that you have to pivot and constantly iterate in order to grow, you know? Yes, totally. You're you're constantly evolving. And I don't even know if there is, if you can say, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I think what I've learned about purpose is that it is how you use like your skill sets and the things that you love doing. Mm-hmm. It's how you use those in different areas of your life and on different things. Mm-hmm. So it could be my purpose is to connect people. Mm -hmm. Like it kind of makes it feel a lot easier than my purpose is to like shift the planet within this company or whatever that looks like. If you just keep focusing on wherever you're at, if you're an amazing connector, then keep doing that. And it's going to provide you with every single thing you could ever dream of. I know that sounds crazy, but it will keep leading you to the things that will bring you more of what you want. Can you give us a look into your background? Because I feel like you're someone who's lived very like a lot of lives and you you embody (laughs) this, like you embody exactly what you're saying. And the reason I ask you to take us through like kind of like your career and all the pivots is because I feel like a lot of people get to a place where they're like, well, now what, like, what do I do? Mm. Like, what if I, like, they're too scared to pivot. So take us through your whole journey. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I'm going to do this quick and then you can decide where you want to go with it. Okay. So I am from a really small town in upper Michigan. And what made the town even smaller is that I was raised in a more restrictive religion. Mm -hmm. So take a small town and then only be allowed to hang out with those people in that congregation was not allowed to hang out with anyone outside of it. So it was about 114 people is all I ever experienced until 17 years old. And so those were the only people in my world that I was able to spend time with. So from there, I moved out and ended up 
because I did not graduate high school, it was really all about just like making sure you stored up your treasures in heaven. I have no other way to say it. And so I was homeschooled through high school, didn't end up finishing. And when I moved out, I did not know what I was going to do because I decided to leave that religion and everyone I knew. I had nobody really outside of that besides a couple friends who ended up coming with as well. But that was it. It was a whole So you left your entire life, everything that you knew. Because I knew that there was something that I was supposed to be doing that wasn't going to be a part of it. It was the scariest thing I've ever done. What what even sparked that decision Mm -hmm. and allowed you to go through with it? Because that's very brave as someone who's like what you said, 18. Mm -hmm. That's you're really young and that's scary. So I think at 13 years old, I started getting these feelings of I don't think this is like, right. This Uh doesn't feel right for me. Mm -hmm. And I started asking questions and the questions were never like answered. They weren't ever a good answer for me or Mm -hmm. I wasn't allowed to ask the questions. And so for me, that just it did not work. And I don't know if you can remember back to when you were like anywhere between eight and 13. But you start getting these feelings of like, maybe you're meant for more or you want to do something big, but you don't even know what that means. Like you have no idea. The only thing that I could tell you that I knew is when I would watch like these either dancers on TV, singers, people doing fitness competitions, anyone doing something like that, it like moved something in me. I actually like I felt major feelings around it. I was like, Mm. I want to do something like that. I want to perform. I want to inspire people. I wanted to give people the feeling the only way I could explain it is I wanted to give people the feeling that they were giving me and whatever that was like, there's more, there's yeah. more, there's more. And so at 13 years old, that started. And I had always been just cause I had to be like, I learned to be like very solo. I had a couple friends here and there, but we weren't allowed to do it. We didn't do a ton together. And so I did a lot of like rollerblading by myself, walking, bike riding, like for hours and hours and hours by myself. And I would mm-hmm. dream. I just literally remember dreaming all the time and picturing this life. And it was never the life that I had. And it wasn't necessarily with the people that were in my life. So I think that just adding up years and years of that, and actually I'd started working out because I came from a a heavier family background and really struggled with my weight. And they all struggled. We probably went on 40 different diets in the time that I, between eight and by the time I moved out. Uh And I was just always told I had bad genetics. But at a younger age, I started figuring out it wasn't genetics. And I just, this is part of the story that I want to share. So, because it all kind of comes together. But Because there wasn't a lot of kids in my congregation, they let me for the first time go spend a week with another family that was like three hours away because it was allowing me to meet more people. And so this was the first time away from my home and I had for one week and I had always struggled with my weight. Like I could not lose a pound. And so I went to this other family's house for a week and without trying, I went home five pounds less. Now, when I was there, it was the very first night that I was there and I get into the house and we're like hanging out and whatever. And I'm like, so where's your snack drawer? And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, like with your snacks. And she's like, we don't have a snack drawer. And I said, what are you talking about? You don't have a snack drawer. Like, where are your chips and your Twizzlers and like whatever? And she's like, we have an apple. And I was like, rude, an apple? Like who even eats an apple? (laughs) I was like, not even heard of in my family. And so the week goes on like this and I'm just noticing that their joy is over like activities Uh and like playing games and we're always outside. And I saw two very different lifestyles. Don't get me wrong. Like I grew up in a very loving family, 
but it was not reflected like in this healthier lifestyle. And so to go home five pounds less and then only to realize two weeks later, I'd put it back on. So this was the moment when I realized that your environment is stronger than your willpower. Absolutely. Because I did not want to go back to how I was, but my environment, everything around me was, it's such an external force if you don't Mm -hmm. start changing your environment that you're going to become your environment. And so to go back to the question of, you know, what made you leave? I'd had these little experiences of realizing my environment was not going to bring me the life that I was dreaming of. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever done, but also at the same time, like one of the most freeing things I've done, because anybody who's not living as the person they know they're here to be right now is feeling really trapped. Yesterday, I was out for a walk with my emotional support water bottle, and I was listening to a Huberman Lab podcast. Shout out to all my other Huberman girlies. But while I was listening to this episode, I almost spat out my water because you would not believe Andrew Huberman was talking about one of my favorite new wellness brands. And I was like, okay, I'm clearly on the right track here. So I am talking about Bond Charge. And you guys, I have been so obsessed with this brand because Bond Charge is a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products to optimize your everyday life. They have everything from blue light glasses to my favorite product, which is their infrared sauna blanket. Guys, I have been using this thing all the time. Okay, so let me just tell you, a sauna blanket is incredible because it does things like burn calories, it helps you detoxify, and it just like clears out your system, which is something that we all want, especially if you don't have access to like a full-blown sauna. Anyway, it works by raising your heart rate to that of physical exercise, so it burns calories while you just sit there. Also, sweating helps flush out heavy metals and other toxins. So it's just really, really good for you to spend some time in the sauna. Infrared heat and elevating your heart rate while relaxing also releases endorphins, which can leave you feeling euphoric after your session. So I found that, you know, when I get into my infrared sauna blanket and I do it like, you know, right before I'm going to bed, I'm sometimes like just reading or just relaxing. I feel like I get a much better deep sleep. And I've actually tracked that on my aura ring as well, just as like a personal experiment, which, you know, I love doing. It's really easy to set up. It takes less than one minute to set up. It heats up really rapidly and you can enjoy a session for 30 to 40 minutes while relaxing, reading, watching TV, meditating, whatever the hell you want to do. So Here's the really good news. Bond Charge ships worldwide in rapid time and offers free shipping on every sauna blanket with no hidden costs. Also, the returns and exchanges are really easy. You get a 30-day trial and a 12-month warranty. Go to bondcharge.com slash dreambigger and use the coupon code dreambigger to save 15%. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E dot com slash dreambigger and use coupon code dreambigger to save 15%. Enjoy. How do I ask my boss for a raise? I'm so jealous of my coworker's promotion. I just don't know what to do. Is there a good way to brag about my accomplishments? Careers are complicated and there are so many hush-hush topics we're told we can't talk about. 
That's why you have the Career Contessa podcast. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin, and each week I'm joined by experts to help you overcome your workplace woes with actionable advice that you can use today. Subscribe to the Career Contessa podcast and make progress in your career every Tuesday. So when you decided to leave everything you knew, were your parents and your family supportive or that was just a tough decision that you had to make? I did not tell them I was necessarily leaving the religion at Uh the time. So I lied to them for about two years. So that was really hard living a double life. I can't even imagine. So I moved away and they thought I was still going to church, but Mm -hmm. I was not going. So what happened is that I essentially the only thing I knew how to do at first was limit like exposure. So that's what I did. I moved away and I was like, I'm going to figure out the rest. And I, I remember feeling so terrible because my mom would call and I was like, I can't pick up the phone because I can't lie to her. So I remember I probably only talked to her like once that year and it was the worst experience of my life because I don't think she understood, but I couldn't lie. Tell her, yeah. And I was living as someone not great at the moment either because being held like a spring your whole life, you go crazy. And so it kind of, I lived in this really interesting like shame spiral for like two, three years Mm -hmm. until I started getting more into fitness and that kind of just helped me through everything. So talk me through like what happens next. So Mm -hmm. you kind of like you're you're on your own and, you know, it's it's wild or whatever it is, you know, how do you start to find yourself again? How do you get into fitness? Like how does that kind of become the thing that shapes you and get you to kind of like closer to, I guess, where you are right now? Okay, so yes, it was three years, just not great mm-hmm. <laughs> all over the place, trying to figure out life, trying to figure out work, trying to, especially because I didn't graduate. So I was lying on like resumes yeah. and trying to get these different jobs. And and so three years in and a lot of just really terrible experiences, you start to say, is this my life? Like, when am I going to get out of the spiral? Like, when am I going to wake up? And I got some serious wake up calls during that time. And I wish I could say that the first one worked. It did not. The second one didn't really work. But you're you're starting to come to you're a little bit like, oh, this is going to be my life if I don't start making better decisions. So I want to zoom in on that for yeah. one second, because I think what you're talking about is actually quite important. It's taking ownership and not just like letting your circumstances kind of push you and push you into this like deep, dark hole. Mm -hmm. And like, then you just can't get out. Like you had this realization that, okay, I have to change things around if I don't want this to be my life. Yes. What tips do you have for people who are in that position right now? I mean, here's the hard part is you're not going to love the tips because it's hard. Yeah, no shit. It's really hard. (laughs) And so, you know, I went from one tough situation and put myself in a situation with really shitty roommates. And I woke up and I'm like, these people are not a good influence on me. But they were the people from my childhood and I didn't have, they were the only friends. So I now had this experience of, I have to leave these friends. Like I have to get out of this environment. And the only place I had to go was back home. (laughs) And so I was like choosing between my, it's like picking the best worst decision. Oh gosh. And so I went back home where my mom still thinks I'm in this religion. I have a nine o'clock curfew again. And I was like, I'm only coming back here for like three months to get back on my feet, get out of this apartment with these people because there were drugs and whatever else in the apartment. I was like, I don't want to be in here anymore because I feel like I'm two seconds from people getting busted. 
And so I ended up moving back home. I asked my dad if I could work with him for a while. So I used to work with him doing kitchens and bathrooms. I went back to doing that. This is not a fun answer. Like there wasn't an extra bedroom for me because they weren't in our original family house. So I stayed in my 14 year younger brother's bedroom, which at the time was a four-year-old bedroom. And I remember laying in his bed and he has all these dinosaurs on the headboard in the glowy stars. And I was like, how did I get here? How did this happen again? And I do remember though, not staying in that question that long. Mm -hmm. It was, okay, what am I going to do? All right. So you're going to work, you're going to get some extra money and you're going to move back out and you're going to be on your own for a while because you've been on your own before and you're going to be okay. But I was willing to be on my own in order to figure out who I was and what I was going to do. And what did you do from there? So you move out and then what happens? So I actually end up getting married. <laughs> so, but I, I get it. I meet this guy while I'm back home. Uh-huh. And I was like, we're not going to be together because I'm not staying here. That's yeah. what I kept telling him. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm going to move back to where I was like uh-huh. three hours away. And I hate this town. Like, I don't want to be in this town anymore. My family's here, all the things like I just don't want to be here. And so for six months, he just kept on like, no worries. Like, we can just be friends, whatever. So we became really good friends. And I was like, this guy is like not the guy because he was opposite of everything that I had ever dated and everything I'd ever wanted. And six months goes by and I had this realization that like I had always dreamt of having like this best friend and it felt like him. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, this human is like a best friend, but potentially could also be a partner. But it was like six months later that I ended up kind of waking up one day. Literally, it was one day I remember sitting across the table from him at a dinner and I was like, I think I like might love this guy. And it was... The addiction of the ups and the downs that I had to break in order to see that this could actually be a good relationship because I thought love was like the highs and the lows. Wow. I was like, he's too neutral. He's Uh too boring. Like this isn't, it's like I would even, I would notice how I would even try to like bother him or bug him or like Like poke at him. Yes, (laughs) because we're so addicted to it. Yeah. And so because he was so neutral and that would not work with him, it was almost like I wasn't interested And Mm -hmm. until finally one day I said, this is actually really nice. Like this could really be something to build off of. Mm -hmm. From there, we ended up getting married and I kept on working odd jobs because I was so ashamed of not graduating. I didn't actually tell anyone I hadn't graduated until like two years ago. What? Yeah. Carried that much shame around not graduating. I just always was like, oh, I was homeschooled through high school, which I was, but I never finished. I never really went past like ninth grade ever. So that was a big reason why I was like, I'm not even going to try for these other jobs. And what ended up happening, because I'd worked the odd jobs, the drive-through coffee shop, the makeup, the front desk at a hair salon. 2008 happens. My husband and I are married. We're probably two or three years married at that time. And the recession happens and he's in mortgage and finance. Like he is the main breadwinner doing really well, flying up through the ranks in mortgage and finance. And so when that hits, he lost his job. And we lost our house and we lost our cars and we were $300,000 in debt. And so that was the moment that I had the realization that I'm going to have to do something. And so I think the best things in life happen when your back is up against the wall. Totally. And that was the decision that made me say, what on earth could I do? And I was like, well, I've always loved exercising. I've been exercising since I was eight years old. Mm -hmm. I always like have wanted to help people with transformations. I'm already helping people without getting paid for it. And I was like, do I need a diploma to get into like fitness and training Mm -hmm. people and you didn't it was like the one job that nobody checked anything on and I was like 
I'm going all in on this. Uh-huh. Even if I wasn't like I was interested, but I think that was the thing that made me feel like this is my ticket. Like yeah. no one's going to ask. I can do a big career out of this. Uh-huh. And so I started training people. And I went to an LA fitness and I was training people for $6 per 30 minute session. And I was like, wait a minute, let me do the math on this. In order to pay off our debt of like $300,000, I'm going to be like 80 before I can even pay this off. So I said, what could I do? Okay, I could like start something on my own out of somewhere. I hadn't Mm -hmm. figured it out yet and I could start charging more. So when I started sharing that dream, this is one thing that I always tell people is always share your dream with anyone and everyone. It may not even seem, you might feel like you're lying when you say it, Mm -hmm. but as you say, you speak it into life. And as you speak it into other people, other people bring it to life. So what happened is I would share that dream with the people that I was training at this LA Fitness. And one of the women, super successful, she was only 27 years old at the time. I was not much younger than her. She had just opened her own chiropractic office. And we loved training together. And I told her the stream and she's like, well, Lori, why don't you just come train in the basement of my lower level of the chiropractic's office? You can train me for free for like, uh, we'll do a trade for like three to six months until Mm -hmm. you get on your feet. And then you can, you know, like start paying me for some rent down there. I was like, okay, let's do it. And that was only because I always told her what I wanted to do. So from there, I started training people in her basement, Uh which it was like studs. You could see the electrical. I went to literally a Walmart and got like the mirrors that you glue on the back of your door. So I had three of those mirrors. One ended up breaking, just left it, the rubber bands and a BOSU ball. And I would have these people come down and I'm like, I'm in construction. It's going to get built out. I did not have any plans to build this out. I did not have a dollar to my name. And they stayed with me that whole year and they were great. I was like, this just means I'm going to be the best trainer they've ever had in their life. Absolutely, yeah, you're hustling. So I showed up that way. Mm -hmm. And so from there, I ended up opening my own gym. And after I had trained women for a while there, about a year, so I'm two years in though, Mm -hmm. I started to really notice that once I started to, once people really got in their health journey, they started to want to do more. They noticed that they wanted more in their life. They wanted to make money. They wanted to start a business. Like it's crazy. I always call fitness like your first spiritual breakthrough because it's kind of the first moment. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree you start with that. Feeling mm-hmm. things and thinking bigger because serotonin and dopamine and moving your body and your brain is accessing different parts of it that it doesn't typically, that is usually in a coma from all the food and not moving. So from there, I got into personal development because I really wanted to help women keep the transformation because I noticed that I could make some women work out. They would work out all the time. They'd be my best clients, but nothing was moving for them. Like no results because they could not change their mindset of who they thought they were. They had a thermostat in their head of who they were and their identity and their environment and they couldn't change it. So I got into personal development because I wanted the tools to be able to help them do that. And then from there, that obviously helped me grow. And then the business things came after that because after you do personal development with them and they get the results, It's like every woman always wanted to start a business or do something bigger. So then I got into entrepreneurial events and helping teach women how to make money. And it's kind of all evolved from there. So for someone like when you were going through this, you know, like you're you're going through the early stages of your Mm -hmm. career and you said that even up until two years ago, you didn't tell people Mm -hmm. that, you know, you hadn't graduated from high school. How do you combat imposter syndrome? Because I'm sure that it's something that you dealt with and obviously had to overcome and probably, you know, like I think on some level people 
do deal with imposter syndrome here and there, even when they have actively worked yes. on it. So what are some tips you can offer to people? Okay. Imposter syndrome is just being a beginner. So that's the first thing that I think about. When you're feeling like, I don't know who I am, or I don't know if I should be doing this, or people are going to find out about me, I'm a fraud. I always just think about when you're a beginner, people do not expect you to be perfect at it yet. So the most important thing you can do is understand you're a beginner, but tell people that you're a beginner. Because telling people that it's your first time doing something or, hey, this is what I used to do or here's what I'm transitioning from. Here's what I want to do. But I'm new at it. They're going to give you a lot of wiggle room and people are going to be the most interested at that point mm -hmm. on your journey because you're showing them what is possible. So those are that's the two biggest things yeah. is to understand that imposter, those feelings is beginner. And the second thing is to tell people and just bring them on the journey with you, because I actually think that that, especially for this time in history right now, bringing people on the journey with you in the beginning, especially is the most I think it's the most powerful place in your whole journey is like showing them I'm doing this. I'm pivoting. This is what it's going to look like. It's probably going to be messy. I'm probably going to screw up. And that gives you so much freedom. I think it's when we hold the expectation that we have to be great at it already because maybe you were great at something else. I think sometimes that can be the biggest Achilles heel for people who've been good at something is to be like, everyone's going to expect me to be good at this. Honestly, it's better if you were honest and said you were a beginner and showed that you weren't good. People will actually like you more. It's just natural. Yeah. And I think it gives you permission to to try, mm -hmm. you know, like I think that so much of entrepreneurship is not waiting for perfection and just kind of doing it and mm -hmm. iterating. And I think that if you put this pressure on yourself where you don't want to be a beginner and you Think you put this expectation on yourself that other people think that you're supposed to be here. Yes. I feel like it. you're your own worst enemy. You, you can't, there's nowhere to grow when you're already supposed to be perfect. Exactly. And the beautiful, I mean, I can truly look back now. You can't do it while you're in it. But if anybody listening, like this can land for them, the best part is the growth. Like, mm -hmm. like going, yes. wow, this is who I was and this is how I used to perceive life. And now this is who I am. And I think that growth journey is going to connect you so deeply to everyone around you. And it's going to give you talk about the first question of purpose, growth and looking back and being able to help the person that you used to be is so much purpose. I think that is like if you could just call that your purpose to grow and then to look back and help the person that you used to be, that will keep you fulfilled your whole life. Oh, I love that. That's really a beautiful way of thinking mm -hmm. about it. I want to talk about dreaming because mm -hmm. I told you offline that I listened to that episode that you did on dreaming. And it's also something that you've been saying that, you know, it's really important that you share your dreams. Mm -hmm. So what are your tips around this? Because I think, you know, something that you said in that episode was that people stop dreaming as mm. they get older. Mm -hmm. Like you're almost like, I don't know, afraid to dream or something. Yeah, so totally. how do you continue to foster that habit? Mm. And how do you get closer to your dreams as well? I think we stop dreaming because we've had a few disappointments in a row and it feels safe to not mm. dream anymore because you're viewing this dream as it has to happen instead of viewing dreaming as fun. Like dreaming is fun. It's it's thinking of alternate realities that could happen and not getting so attached to them that I think the attachment, we know this, the attachment is what always brings the pain. And so not getting so attached to the dream, but allowing, 
I think that dreaming in general is going to bring so many new things into your life, whether it's the thing or not. And so my my idea and thoughts around dreaming now is that just allowing yourself to like play in the field of dreaming is going to bring in things that you didn't even know were coming. So most often the dream that I have isn't the dream that ends up happening, but it's better. What ends up happening is better than the dream that I thought. So we call them, my husband and I call them carrots, like never judge the carrot and always follow the carrot, but be super open to what's on that path. So picture someone in front of you with a fishing pole and the carrot and you're like, so fixated on the the carrot, except you just realize that you're walking through the streets of Positano, but you missed it. Like you missed everything all around you, the beautiful flowers, the people who could help you with your dream, because you're so fixated instead of going, wait, maybe this is just guiding me down the street to meet Mm. this person over here who's going to be my partner or who I'm going to connect with over here and they're going to be a partner in my business. And so the carrot is truly like guiding you to the things, but you may never catch the carrot. And the person who stopped dreaming is the one who wanted to catch the carrot the whole time and missed everything on the journey. I... I really love that analogy. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like something that people should be thinking about, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think keep top of mind. So related to this is I know you talked about it in your episode and I want to bring this to people because I thought it was brilliant. The power it's power nine. Yeah, the power nine power Mm -hmm. nine, because it's kind of a part of like, I guess this whole thing, because you are talking about what you manifest. So I want you to get into that. Okay. I'm going to tell you where it came from because I think I'm going to talk to a lot of people right now on here. So I, when I didn't have what I wanted, when Uh I was in like dream phase and when I was carrot phase, only solely focused on carrot, which at the time was I wanted to be a fitness cover model. I'm I'm like dating myself right now, but I wanted to be on the cover of fitness magazines because I would carry them around in my bag and they were my inspiration for years of my life. So All I could focus on when I was like competing and in my life, I was like, why is this not happening? I'm Mm. like four years in and it's not happening. And every morning we'd wake up and we'd go on our walk because we've always walked in the morning. We've always had a big dog. And on these walks, I was like frantic. I would always have anxiety. I'd wake up with anxiety. Then what do I do? I pour like two cups of coffee on it, maybe three. Then we go for a walk and the whole walk, I'm like, I got to do this and I got to do that. And why don't I have this and that? And oh my gosh. And so overwhelmed. And my husband one day was like, I I literally can't, like, I can't even walk with you anymore. I can't be around you. Your energy is crazy. You have so much anxiety. You only focus on like what you don't have. And we were like, oh my God. Well, not we, I. I was like, oh my gosh, I am so frantic and not enjoying my life. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was learning a lot about personal development. I just heard a, a ton of stuff about gratitude. And I was like, why don't we create a practice? And I also loved manifesting at the time, like the the idea of it, like secret was out and all that stuff at this time. And so we're like, why don't we do three things we're grateful for, three things we're excited about and three things that we want to manifest. And so from that day, this was years ago, over 10 years ago, we started doing that every single day on our walk. And I, the things that I've, I I can't even trace back all the things that have come from it because it's Mm -hmm. just been the most amazing addition to my life. And I'll tell you so many reasons why. But the power nine not only helps me get into gratitude when I'm feeling crazy, but it also reminds me that there's so much to be excited about that day and for so many things to be grateful for that I already have. And then the manifesting part is pretty cool, too, because sometimes we don't even know what we're going for. The manifesting part gives you a target. So if you're not into manifesting or if you are, you can't hit a target you can't see. 
And so manifesting is like, oh, that's right. I want these three things. I'm going to keep saying these three things every single time. And what is the coolest part is when you get one of them, you take it off and you move a new thing into the manifesting. I feel like this could even be like a really strong journaling exercise if you don't totally. have like anyone in your life that you can go out for walks with. Like it's, it's yes. so cool even just on you, for yourself. That's what we tell people all the time, like use it for journaling. We wrote up a little, I can I can have everyone text if they want and get yeah. the PDF that has all of the things that you can do with it. Yeah. But you can absolutely use it for journaling. That mm-hmm. is, I mean, I think it's a really, really cool addition to people's routines because I just, I think it's like, and it's nice to do it with someone if, if yes. you can, because I, I was telling you offline that I did it with my husband just yesterday. We didn't do nine, but we did like three things we were grateful for. And we switched excited to what we're focused on. Oh, I love that. Um, And then what we're manifesting. And yeah. I was like, this is such a good practice, you know? Yes. Okay. I'll tell you what it did for my relationship. Then. Yes. Tell me. So especially because I'm guessing you guys are busy. You yes. both have a lot going on. <laughs> and so when you get busy, Sometimes that's the last conversation that you're having is like, hey, where are you at? Like, what are you excited about? What Mm. do you want? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you wake up 10 years later, like if you're not doing these things and you could be on completely different paths, like you don't know what your partner wants or is manifesting. You don't know what they're excited about that day. And so every time that we do it, like he'll say something and I'm like, oh, I want to be excited about that with you. Okay, I'm actually going to make that one of my manifests because I want that to happen so bad for you. Like, I, I can't wait to celebrate it. And when this happens, it like spurs on this whole conversation. But without doing that, I don't think we'd be on the same trajectory that we are because I get so connected into exactly where he's at and what he's thinking. And then you even learn their struggles through it because you kind of talking about it. Like, here's what I'm manifesting and here's why. And sometimes it comes up around like why they're struggling or whatever. It's just a really great way to stay in tune with each other and on the same paths and cheering for each other. And it's like completely changed our lives. I think it goes with like intentional conversation Mm -hmm. because I think that when like you're in a long term relationship, you actually have to make an effort to connect with the other person, not just kind of like let life happen to you, you know, like. I like I've been with my husband, not married the whole time, obviously, but just together for 11 years Mm. now. And like still to this day, like every Friday night is date night, no matter what. And that day is like we like we're Mm co-founders and we don't talk about work that day unless it's things that we're excited about, you know. And I feel like it's the same thing like this. This is like a practice to intentionally connect to your partner. And I feel like that's important. Yeah, it's everything. Yeah. If you don't have these, I've now am at that weird place where I'm answering questions saying like, I've been around long enough to see that people will grow apart. Absolutely. If you're not on the same path and making sure you're checking in all the time. You have to give it importance like mm-hmm. you do everything else, I think. Mm-hmm. It's it's just important. Yeah. I want to talk about Glochi. Is that how you say it? Glossy. Glossy. Yep. Oh, close. So you, you, you recently launched mm-hmm. and... I really loved kind of the initial launch reel slash stories mm. because you talked about the fact that you pivoted. Mm. And I want you to get into that because I can only imagine that as an entrepreneur, that is scary. Mm. So mm-hmm. tell everyone what happened ahead of launching Glossy, what what it was supposed to be, <laughs> why you why you pivoted and yeah, let's okay. get into that. I can laugh now, but it was it was literally yeah, you'll understand. Let me let me let me paint this picture for you. So, so right before the pandemic, I start raising money for a company that would have been totally new to me anyway. I wanted I got to a place in my career where I had checked off all the boxes mm-hmm. that I wanted to do that I I never thought I would check off. So I didn't dream past these places. I was like, 
okay, I want to do women's events. I did that for nine years and had 500 women every year for three days. It was amazing. Then I wanted to write a book. I did that. I went on a 14 city book tour. I wanted a podcast. I did an amazing podcast. I still have it. And I just, number one, never expected those things. And number two, never thought I'd wake up in a place going, wait, what's next? And I'd always been really interested in physical products, beverage especially, because at any given time in the day, you can come and look at my desk and it has like four to six beverages on it. And I just loved it. It was just a category that I really loved. And so I was like, you know what? I think I want to go into this beverage industry. And here's also why. There was a big why behind, I had just written a book about connecting women and Mm -hmm. female friendships. And even though it did well, it didn't really hit like the mainstream girl that I was hoping for it to hit. It hit a lot of personal development people and things like that. But I wanted to hit like the mainstream woman who thinks that connecting is about going out to wine and just like trying to connect in that way, but still goes home feeling really empty. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote the book for that reason. And I was like, I didn't, it didn't reach her because she's not necessarily a book reader Mm -hmm. or this particular type of book. And I was like, but she is drinking wine and she does care about how she looks. And I was like, So do I. I love those things. And I thought, what if I made a, this is right when the like white claw came out. There wasn't a lot of other ones, like really hardly any. And I was like, this is not a very, like, this doesn't feel very girly to me. Like I Mm -hmm. want something that speaks to me and I want something that actually, sorry, that tastes better. (laughs) And so I was like, I'm going to do like a wine spritz version. I don't know of anybody doing it yet, but I'm going to put three questions on the back of the can that are super intentional that I've tried out at my event for nine years that I know you can't leave the room or the conversation without getting something that you really need that will move the needle for you in your life. And so I like did all these questions on the back of the can and it was going to be like for better conversations Mm -hmm. and it was going to be fully female funded and it was going to have this all these events around it to connect women. And so that was the vision. And so I end up raising money, had no freaking clue how to do that. Like that in and of itself is a whole personal growth journey from like, wow, you know, okay, we don't even have to talk about it, but you can do it. If you want to do it, you will be able to do it. There's a lot of help around it. You learn a lot. (laughs) You learn a lot. (laughs) And those conversations, boy, they'll make you grow. (laughs) I just remember some of them and I'm like, I would have rather fallen through the floor than like be on some of my calls. Truly, it is. It is the trenches when you're going through the first yes. time because you're just like everything. It's all happening all at once. And mm-hmm. you kind of it's like there's this saying that entrepreneurship is like jumping out of an airplane and trying to build a parachute while you're landing. And I feel, down, yeah. yeah, like literally that is what fundraising was for mm-hmm. us. And we were like, what? Totally. Yeah, yeah, like, anyway. Is that right? OK, well, I don't know. We're leaving it, but OK, let's move on. It's, it's a crazy experience. So I end up raising money from 54 um, female investors. We start moving forward with the company. The pandemic happens. I'm still just in fundraising because it's taken me a while to raise the two million dollars, like a year and a half it mm-hmm. took me because I just wanted women as well. Mm-hmm. So then we get into the journey. The pandemic hits. I'm into the journey of trying to put it together, trying to do supply chain like Trying to do supply chain during during the pandemic. Nobody is at work. I hire this team to help me with supply chain. And they're telling me things are getting done. They're not actually, they're getting somewhat done, but they're still, everybody wanted to continue taking money and tell you that they're working. So I'm like, okay, trusting that these different things are getting done. Nothing is moving. Nothing's happening. I'm getting really far down the path. We're doing all the things that we can. We're trying to do their job at the same time, thinking thinking like double duty will help. And all of a sudden, we're like a year down that path. Nothing's moving because there was something even called the pandemic in the middle of it where all the big companies bought all the aluminum because there was an aluminum shortage. And so I'm like, oh, my God, I 
can't believe this is happening. Minimum order quantities for what you had to order as a startup went so high. There were lids that were like 10, you could order 10,000 in the beginning and they went up to a million minimum order quantity for these gold lids that I wanted. And I was like, oh, so they were knocking all the startups out with their minimum order quantities because number one, they didn't want startups because the startups were leaving them with all of when they would fail, they left them with all this product that they had to pay to destroy. Mm. So nobody was taking startups. So when I finally found someone who said that they would take me for like warehousing and shipping, they were like, okay, well, we'll take you, but you have to put together like a deck to show us why, like what your numbers are going to be. And then when I did that, so I put together like a pitch deck to ask somebody if I could pay them. And so I'm pitching to these people. Then they finally say, okay, but here's the, the deal. You have to give us an extra $15,000 down just as reserves. And by month three, if you don't hit this number, then we're not keeping you anymore. So out of all of the hundreds of people who had said no, finally one says yes. And I'm about to go, I don't think I'm going to hit those numbers. So Mm -hmm. I'm about to totally fail this company. Like if I go and do that, it means that I could lose that 15K. I could lose the money that I put in. I could lose the product because I don't have anywhere for it to go or to be shipped. Oh my gosh. And then like I had already, my margins were gone at that point. Like they were actually completely gone. So oh my God. As a startup. So having all of these awarenesses obviously is not super fun because you have this moment of, I have oh, 54 shit, yeah. women that I, I specifically chose certain people because I knew that I wouldn't quit if I had them like as investors. Mm. And so I had chosen mentors. I had chosen friends. I had chosen family. Some of them were celebrities. And I had this moment of, I have to go back and tell everyone that I failed, like that this is not going to work. And this idea that I got you so excited about, and I think women have a harder time with this than men from all my conversations. I felt like, what if they think I lied to them? What if they are never going to invest in me now? What if, you know, they're like, oh my God, she's just like a dreamer all hopped up on her own like supply. And like, I can't believe we invested in her and our money was gone. It just I mean, you have like a thousand awful. thoughts. You have a million. It's, it's, and it's really yeah. scary. Mm-hmm. Totally. So the pivot, uh-huh. I had a moment. It was actually like an, I don't know if you've ever had this. I'm sure that you have, but a lot of us can hear like these internal voices and it was just loud and clear. And I woke up and I was in bed and I like sat up and I heard it and it was like, turn the Titanic. Nothing profound, just like turn the Titanic. What did that mean to me? When I heard it, it was like, you're the captain. You can see the iceberg and they're all partying and having a good time. And they just want to be on the ship. They just want to be a part of it. But because you can see the iceberg, it is your job to turn the ship. They don't care about the destination. They just want to be on this journey and a part of the thing and the mission. So it was go somewhere else, change destination, bring them with, get them re-excited about it. Because if I was the captain of that ship and just had to disappoint my people and tell them they're not going to wherever they were going, like, okay, how can I paint a better picture of how we're now going to the Bahamas Mm -hmm. or somewhere else? And I actually had a lot of, the only way that I was able to make it through that is because I had so many conversations with people who had been there before. And so if I didn't work up the courage to go and talk to other founders who had started companies or other people who I knew had been through challenges, I honestly don't know where I would be right now because Mm -hmm. it got really, really dark for a while, like very dark. I was anxious. I was depressed. I was waking up and not, I was not sleeping for three hours a night. I was drinking way too much wine. I had so much anxiety. I was crying all day. I put on a ton of weight. I just did not feel like myself. I didn't look like myself. I have always been a person who feels like they've had like a great relationship with God. I couldn't hear a word. I just felt so disconnected. It was 
it was really a scary place. I didn't, yeah, did not know what to do. Oh my gosh. Okay, so when you had this realization, Mm -hmm. I mean, first and foremost, like I do want to take a second to talk about this place that you were in because I think it's really valuable to actually even have the thought that, okay, it's time to pivot because Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we get so obsessed with the idea and the vision of what we thought it was going to be that we just, we don't want to let go, Mm -hmm. you know, and it is dark. It's really dark. It's really scary. You don't know what to do, but again, it's about taking control of the situation and realizing that, okay, like there's a way, there's always a way out. There's always always another solution. Mm -hmm. So when when you had this realization, what would, what did the pivot process even look like? Well, it's it it has a lot of different pieces in it, and you just made me really think like back to the carrot thing. Like you guys have to remember that's a belief that I hold, so that helped me at that point. Like mm. I wasn't thinking it right away, but when you start saying things like there's always a solution, you open up your brain from this is scary, this is dark. I have to. I was only focusing on that investor letter I had to write, which was making me miserable. Right. So in, when I said you're never going to create something good from a bad place. You're never going to create something good from there. And so what had I always done? I'm like, you got to get into a good place again. You got to like take care of yourself. You got to work out. You got to ask better questions. Mm -hmm. Cause right now the only question I was asking was like, what, how did I get here? That's not a helpful question. Yeah. So got myself into a better place actually physically. And I think people need to hear that right now. Like if you're not in a good place and you can't figure out why you're not getting ideas, it's because the body that you're in is a vessel to hear things through, but you're not gonna hear it when you're clogging it up with really poor food choices or tons of alcohol or not moving. Movement is so important. So I was like, get back to your roots so you can hear things again, meaning hear ideas and be open to creative ideas and opportunities. And so did that. And at that time, I had started talking about an idea for the, it was an alcohol company, a light wine, and then a um, Mm non-alcoholic wine spritz as well. And when I started to realize my margins sucked, meaning they either sucked or they were going to be gone, I was like, what could the upsells be? What else can this company sell? And I was like, well, people need to hydrate. I'm obsessed with hydration sticks. I use them every single day, sometimes two or three times a day because I'm like a toddler. I need things in my water. And I was like, maybe we do an upsell of like a hydration stick that also Mm -hmm. helps with a hangover. And I don't love what's in these so I could make it better because I use it. Like, what could I make better? That's a really good question. What do I love using that maybe I could make better or put my own spin on? Mm -hmm. And so I had this idea already of a hydration stick. Then I had a friend come in and go, hey, have you ever thought of like hydration sticks? I know this company that could probably help you out. And I was like, that's interesting. That was already in my head. So Mm -hmm. this is happening simultaneously. And those things don't happen by accident. No. If your friend comes to you and says something random, like how about a hydration stick and you were already thinking it, like follow that curiosity down the path. So right at that, like kind of at this this pivotal time of I have to pivot, this isn't working, we have no margin, something has to change. I was like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to look at a hydration stick and figure out how to make it better. Mm-hmm. Like what are all the things that I would want it to do? What does my community want it to do? So I started doing surveys to, I had a couple friends. I have a friend who runs Boss Babe Community. And I was like, could I use your community? Do you mind if you just take this survey for me? And I was like, ask them these like 10 questions. And so she was like, sure, because she also loves hydration stuff and skin and all the fun stuff. And so these surveys came back with like the resounding same answers of how women wanted to feel. They wanted to feel lighter. They wanted to feel less bloated. They wanted great skin. And these were like the same things over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I was like, great. I do too. Like, this is exactly how I want to feel. Let's do that. So it happened pretty fast for me. And I think it happened fast because of how many 
decisions I've I had to make up until that point. And also the realization that when you start your dream or your business or you want to be an entrepreneur, you're not going to be making easy decisions. And a lot of times you're just choosing the best worst decision, but the best worst decision is still a better decision that will stair step you up and out of yes. the situation that you're in. Agreed. And so that that's kind of how it was all born. Amazing. And now you've launched? Just launched like last week. That has been a journey. It's been, you know, I think because I went through that, mm-hmm. I just was like, I want to be in this, meaning I want to be present for it. I don't want to wish it away. I don't want to set some huge goals that I don't hit. And I, I get all upset and I turn into that anxious person who's like, we need to do this and that. And why didn't this work? And I feel really upset. And instead, I honestly sat, I'm going to cry, like, because I went through so much with the other company. Like, I celebrated every single customer that came in. And so to as me, you should, yes. as you as you should. Like, I remember early days of yeah. Array and even still to this day, like we do celebrate every single customer. Yes. You know, it's like every single person who buys your product is like the reason you get to do what you do, which is it's like an honor. Amen. Like totally. And so to ever, ever be in the feeling of like, oh, this isn't enough. Why isn't this happening? Where are they coming? I really believe the energy of oh my God, whatever your customer base is, I don't care if you have 10 people, 100 people, thousands of people, like celebrating them and then saying, now how do we serve the living daylights out of these people? I think that is how you grow an incredible company because those are like your founding people. And yes. it doesn't matter if it's year one or year five, like they they still need to be treated like that. And that's just, that actually brought all of the fun to me because now my job is like, okay, how can we make sure this person feels like seen, heard, and has fun? Like maybe there's even something where they feel like they could progress within the company somehow. What does that look like? Like ask questions like that. But yeah, it's been more fun than not because I decided that it was going to be. Look, building a company is challenging as hell, okay? There's like lots of ups and downs, but at the end of the day, like I think finding fun even when there's like more to do as there will always be more to do. But I think having fun with it and, you know, still enjoying the journey and seeing like, okay, like, why did I even build this thing? Mm -hmm. You know, like really answering that question. And then like, I guess, like serving your customers in that way, because, you know, ultimately, like you started your business because you had a vision for that one person or like, you know what I mean? Like a very ideal person having this hydration pack and like, how are they going to feel a certain way by having this product? It's the same thing for me. And like, that's kind of what I zoom into to kind of block out the noise. Yes. And you have to block out the noise every day. Yes. (laughs) Because it's really easy to get hooked in on what you think you should be doing. And I keep on going back to like, okay, but I'm not good at that. Mm. So what am I good at? Don't get stuck on what am I not good at? Yes, It's like, I can look at someone and go, oh my God, they're so good with this and that. And oh God, they just crush it on stories. Holy crap. Like, but I crush it in events and I crush it in person. And so how can I make sure that I create a business that makes you be in your highest skill set? Because that is your where zone you of will genius. be. Your zone of genius. Yes. Gay, uh, that book is so good. Gay Hendricks. Oh my God. That book like changed my life. Dur- even during this, I read it for like the fourth time. Yeah. But how can you be in your zone of genius all the time in your company? Because life will try to pull you out daily. Yes. Because you'll have to do the other things a bit. But I really think our jobs as, you know, founders and CEOs and just making sure that the company obviously survives is to make sure that you are always in that because it's so easy to get pulled out and then the company loses its vision 
It's heartbeat. So agreed. Okay, so this is actually a really great gateway into some audience questions because, man, they are like they're very connected. So number one is what tips do you have for trusting the process when making big moves in life or business, which is essentially what we're talking (sighs) about. (laughs) Okay, if it's on my journey, it's meant for me. There isn't a bad decision. There literally is not even my worst decision now. 10 years later or five years later, whatever it is in your worst decision, if you continue to follow, like figuring out how to best use your skill set and serve people with that, like just always try to serve the person that you were two years or five years ago, you'll see that the worst decision actually led you into something amazing. So how can you trust the process? Trust that whatever decision that you made is going to serve you. And so whenever I make a decision that even, you know, my husband and I just ended up buying a house in Newport here. And like right afterwards, something went on the market that we loved, that we were like, oh, man, like this went on like two days after we closed on this house. And we didn't stay in that emotion longer than 30 seconds Mm because I was like, no, that was the best decision for us for what was on the market. And it's like, we love it. Why are we taking away our love for this home based off of looking at something else? Yeah. And so that was it. We were done with it. I was like, I'm not actually entertaining it. So no matter what, if a better decision comes along that wasn't there before or something is revealed to you, it doesn't matter. You made the best decision with what you had in the moment and you have to decide. There, The only thing about living a good life or living the life that you want is if you decide it's what you want. Mm-hmm. It's like right now my husband and I are pretty sure we're going to continue on the path of we've been trying to have kids for a while. But we're having this conversation all the time right now with between our friends who don't have kids and our friends who have kids. And the conversation always ends up with they both just decided that their life is good for that reason, the Mm -hmm. ones who are happy. So the single friends who decided not to have kids, they say, you know, they're like, we're so happy, but they're like, we had to decide that we were happy with this choice because if we keep on going down and saying, what if, what if, and imagining our life, that's when you have a bad life. Yeah. You can't be doing the what if. And Mm. I've actually done this exercise with my husband where, you know, we've both gone and been like, what's the, like, if you could have a do-over, what would you do over? Mm. And I would do over nothing. And neither would my husband. Like, even the worst things Mm -hmm. that have happened to me have taught me so much. It's gotten me to where I am today. And Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be who I am had I not gone through those experiences. So I'm with you. Like, I think Mm -hmm. if it wasn't meant for me, it wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. And no do-overs. Like, I love where I am in life. And I know that any challenge that comes my way even going forward will teach Mm -hmm. me, like, allow me to level up even more. Totally. And honestly, like, Some of those stories are the best ways to connect with people. And they're some of your best stories. Like if we sat here and did not have any of them, no one would be listening to this podcast. It's like, (laughs) I think the fact that I did not graduate or the challenges, like those are the things I love talking about now, like, because you can speak to so many people and understand where they came from. And without them, I just feel like I wouldn't be able to relate to people. Yeah. Okay. Next question. How do you make friends who inspire you? Like, how do you go about finding your people? Well, I think we have expectations of like, you know, we're like, okay, we're going to do this personal development thing or this business thing. And they're looking at these women who are doing exactly what they want, except they've been doing it like five years, 10 years. Like, I want to be friends with them. It does not happen like that. And it does not happen overnight. So there's kind of like these categories of friends that I think you need in your life. You need the people who are a little bit behind you. You need your running partners who are simultaneously doing it with you. And then you need your mentors. And what happens that's really cool is as years go by, Your mentors can become your friends 
but it doesn't happen right away. Mm. So if I could go back and say one thing to my past self, it would be like, stop looking at the people on stage and wanting to be their friend and start looking at the people sitting next to you because they're going to be on their come up at the same time as you and lock arms with them. Because all of these people who were kind of on their come up at the same time as me, we started all being friends. And now we're all the ones who have the stages and on each other's stages and going, hey, girl, you want to speak at my event or what's going on over here? Or and like I would have never fathomed that ever in my life. And I had spent so much time trying to get in this one particular group of friends. And it just caused me so much pain because like they're way ahead of me. But you don't necessarily realize that because you don't see all the work they put in. They have a different set of problems than you. They're talking about different things. They want people who are different, doing different things and who have gone through things that they have gone through or they want someone ahead of them. Totally. And I think when we can understand that, we can detach from this like, it's almost like this needy, desperate feeling is what I would feel all the time. And of course they were feeling that. And instead now, I try to teach people this because it's it, it works and it's what worked for me. But take so much time right now at this point to serve people who have served you. So if you have mentors who have really served you, and I had a few in particular, Gabby Bernstein, I would always go to her stuff. I coached with her for a while. She was like a huge mentor at the beginning of my journey. And so instead of, in the beginning, I tried to want to be friends with her, but just different, different realm, right? That what was happening was like, she's out there trying to be friends with other people as Mm -hmm. well. And already has her group of friends, like doesn't need to be friends with someone she's coaching right now. And so when I ended up releasing that, I was like, wait, how can I just serve her? Because Mm -hmm. she served me so much. Like, I just want to bring value to her. Yeah. So I worked really hard on picking like my three people who I was like, okay, I'm going to kind of drown out all the other people. And I'm going to really focus on serving the people who have served me. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? I did things like if she had a book tour in LA and she had like three or four different books, I'd go to every single one, but I'd bring five or 10 people. And so she did a course that she had launched. You could be an affiliate. I affiliated her for her for like two or three years, ended up making like over 6K each time, like made money for her. That's a way to serve her is like, great, let's get her program out. And then, and this was years ago, but then we, what's another thing? Oh, just sharing her book nonstop, sharing her podcast. And I did this for quite a few people who had just served me at the time. Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening, you guys, is people notice those people. And I was doing it not because I was like, oh, maybe they'll give me something. And of course, maybe they will. Maybe they'll notice it. But they truly served me and I loved it. I got so much out of bringing people to her events. Like they had transformations. I had fun. I had a group there. It was like a super good time. I got money out of serving her through the affiliate stuff. That served me as well. I loved helping people. So it was like an amazing way to serve people, giving her book away, like acknowledging her whenever I could, like having her on the podcast multiple times. And so if you can just focus on Who are those three to five people you really want to serve who've impacted your life? You can go up to 10 or whatever. Just don't get overwhelmed with like, oh, my God, I can't do all the things. But really focus on those people and just putting yourself in the rooms. Mm -hmm. Like even if they never did anything for me in the future, which many of them did and some didn't, their rooms that they curated served me so much or their programs that they curated that I purchased served me so much. So in that mentor group, just be in their rooms and figure out how you can serve them. And then your running buddies, like those are the people you want to connect with, collab with, do the dinners with, do the events with, like do the podcast with. Always, always, always like how can we work together? How can if you've talked to like some of the best, you know, biggest YouTube people in the world, it's like how did you grow? Collab, 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 collab over and over again. So if you can view it like that, it will change your whole life. 
love that. Incredible, incredible words of wisdom. <laughs> Lori, where can everyone find you? This has been a joy. Oh my goodness. You can go to Instagram and it's just at Lori Harder. And then the product is at Get Glossy. And then you can go to the podcast. It's Earn Your Happy. Amazing. Thank you so much for being Thank here. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. So fun. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.